Kia ora, I'm Andrew Whiteside. Today I'm speaking with New Zealand director Tony Sartorius about his documentary Helen Kelly Together. The film explores the last year of New Zealand trade unionist Helen Kelly as she continued to advocate for workers' rights while undergoing treatment for cancer. The film looks into some of the core issues Kelly was fighting, including the Pike River mine disaster. Those were topics that the director and I also spoke about in this interview. Tony Satorius, really lovely to meet you, and uh, quite an incredible film, um, Helen Kelly Together. Very kind of you, thank you very much. How well did you know her prior to filming this? Had you, had you met her, did you know yeah, No, I did, I did know her. Um, not super, super well, but I'd, know, I'd known her several times. We had lunch a couple of times. Um, she was a fan of my film Campaign from back in the day, and uh, had come to me for you know a series of favours over the years. She had this big kind of network of people she did that to all around Wellington, and I was one of them, so that was, that was always fine. It was always extremely unlucrative, but it was, it was good to help her out with things because they were always good things. Uh, and, you know, I was, I, I guess I'd say I was her mate, you know, sort of. But I, when, when she got sicker, we actually got a little closer. We, we had a few more conversations and we found a, a, a particular way to talk about that that I think she quite valued because she was very, um, you know, she was a leader, she was strong. And I think in some ways she was, well, she never, she never, misled anyone about it. She always told them how sick she was and what the story was. She somehow created this aura around her where people didn't quite believe it. Um, and, you know, just because of my background, I did believe it and I, we were able to have a serious conversations about it, which, which was, you know, a good start. Then when she got sick, um, when she left the CTU, um, I, I met with her the very next day and, and said, oh, you know, what are you going to do? She didn't know. Um, but it seemed to me that it would be interesting. And also there were some things about her that I just really wanted to try to, you know, put in a bottle for people in the future because I thought they were fairly unusual. Like, like what? The most striking thing for me about Helen was that when she would talk about stuff, which she did an awful lot, I mean, she was all over social media, she was interviewed the whole time, um, they, sounded, they always sounded like they lived and breathed, you know, they sounded alive, they, they, they sounded like she was talking about people. And that was actually really unusual. It still is really unusual. You know, the, both the left and the right in New Zealand, in my experience, it's, it tends to sound very dry and very like professional and very public sector-y kind of policy position-y. With Helen, I, I never got that. It always sounded like it was about the lives of people. And I was just very interested in, in how she did that and where it came from. Do you have a suspicion where it came from? Yeah, I do. And, and, and it's simpler and a bit sadder than what I thought, actually. Um, it... it the simple fact was that she had relationships, real ones, friendships, real ones, with people from across New Zealand in, in all sorts of social circumstances. And that's how she lived. And so when she you know, was talking about people dying at work or people you know, in poverty or whatever, she knew those people. And so therefore when she spoke about it, there they were. You know? And, and you think, well, that doesn't sound particularly special. Surely there's lots of public figures who have that. I, I don't think there is. Do you think that says something about New Zealand, that there's almost this, maybe from colonialism, this kind of stiff upper lip that we're, we're supposed to be very stoic, we don't talk about our feelings, and um, whereas she was actually someone quite genuine, she's actually in touch with how she feels and she's in touch with people? That's an interesting question. Um, I think she was actually fairly stoic um, in, yeah. her, in her way. She was actually kind of blokey in a certain way. You know, she, 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 she was uh, a fairly conservative, very self-disciplined person. But, 
you know, I, I think what it's about culturally, and I, and I do think it's a question about culture, so I'm, I'm glad that we're talking about it that way. I, th I think we have quite a strong sense in New Zealand of who we are and what we value, and we seem to have a, a bit of a lack of scrutiny about whether that's actually who we are and what we value. You know, a lot of the things I could say about who Helen was and how she operated would sound, oh yeah, that, that's New Zealand, of course. But actually, it really isn't. You go and spend time with someone who does it, you start to realise, bloody hell, that's, that's, I've actually never really seen that before. Well, what comes out strongly in the documentary is this notion that the institutions and the people from the police through to the WorkSafe people, possibly even New Zealand attitudes, is that we're in favour more of the law and the status quo and those institutions as opposed to the actual people who are impacted. I mean, we're all people, we're all communities, and yet we seem to have this almost this reverence, or oh, you can't really challenge, you shouldn't really challenge mm. the powers that be. Mm. And people are dying because of that. Well, I mean, it doesn't take a particularly um, profound scratch around in the numbers to realise that our processes for justice in situations like death at work are <laughs> completely inadequate. And, and just woefully short of what you'd think would be necessary. And yet, we, we don't have that discussion. It's like, oh, well, there's this government department, there's this law, it must be fine. You know, it's funny that we do that. I don't know why we do. I wonder, too, if some of it is about the fact that in the areas that she was working, it was working class people, and possibly predominantly Māori. Yeah. And so, Again, it's almost as though the society is turning away from people because perhaps most of us are not working class. I, I think that's true. Well, you know, most of us who have social power are not working class. I mean, an awful lot of us are working class, but we tend not to be the ones who make the laws or go on TV and talk about it. I mean, you know, I think perhaps a lot of New Zealanders will be quite familiar with Pike River and, and have a sense of that as a thing. Um, but, you know, I, I really, the, the, the thing that I've learned in the process of spending this time with Helen is that Pike River is really the tip of a particularly unpleasant iceberg. And there are literally hundreds, you know, more than 235 New Zealanders have died since Helen's death at work. How many of those have you heard about? How, how many of those, you know, make any impact at all? And just to clarify, that's been three years. Less, yeah. That's been two, yeah, just over two and a half years. I mean, it's it's a and it, and actually those numbers are very conservative. That's that's literally the New Zealanders who are literally killed at work. Doesn't count people who die from mesothelioma or other you know process injuries. Doesn't count people that are killed at someone else's workplace. That's just simply people who go to work one day and never come back. And as you say, the majority of them are male. They're working class. They're relatively poor. They're provincial. They're brown. And, and unlike Pike River, they happen one by one rather than 29 in one afternoon. And perhaps for all of those reasons together, they just drift past because everybody thinks it's normal. And you know, I, I, one thing I've learned as a filmmaker, whatever people think is normal is tremendously powerful in shaping their, their willingness to accept what's around them. We need to be super careful of what we accept. You brought up Pike River, and of course the, there's, a, there's a section in the, in the documentary that, that deals with that. Um, I thought a very, obviously very emotional, very sad section of the film, but profoundly powerful as well. And I'm just curious about, um, maybe from a personal perspective, how, how you felt at that moment, because you're an observer, but you're also there. You, I mean, a, 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 a 
you know, an official observer for your documentary, but you're yeah. also a person surrounded by this grief. And yeah. so, so how was that for you? Oh, well, you can tell watching the film. I mean, it, it, it was uh, it was profoundly moving and 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 very very troubling. Um, Pike River, I think. So this sounds a little glib, maybe, but it's literally our skeletons in the closet. You know, the, these are twenty nine unsolved deaths. Um, there's been no proper investigation, there's been no prosecution, there's been very thin conclusions about how we could stop it happening again in some other sector. Uh, and there's been a really strong sense from uh, official New Zealand, but also I think from a lot of New Zealanders, it's just like, oh come on, we've been hearing about that for bloody years, move on. You know, the families will be stopped on the street by people and told to move on. What a... What a horrendous, heartless, actually very nasty way to interact with each other. And yet they've all had it. I couldn't quite believe it when they first told me, but I've seen it happen now and it's, it's totally real. When you go there and, and you see these people and you realize, and when I stop being kind of like you know, little figures from telly and start just being ordinary people who you can understand and relate to at a human level, it's inexplicable and it feels very shameful that that's happened the way it has and that it continues to be unresolved and that it continues to be controversial. It's not a question about politics, it's a question about justice. And surely that transcends politics, doesn't it? I mean, I would have thought so, but apparently not. I was interested in the footage showing when the, the two women were looking at the footage in the mine and they actually saw, the, the viewer doesn't see this, but the, but the two women obviously saw bodies and their reactions because they'd been told there would be no bodies, there'd just be yeah. dust. Now that was new information to me. I, I've only fleetingly watched news coverage of, of the issue over the years. Yeah. I don't recall all of the details, but that was new to me. Um, and it disturbed me because I would have thought that that would have been something quite massive in our news coverage of it. Yeah, you'd think, eh? I mean, you know, it got a news cycle at one time, a couple of years ago. but. Um, the narratives, they just they kind of bed in and, and people feel like they know the story and I think maybe they're not still listening. It was never true. You look around inside the mine and you do see this in the film, you know, there's, there's, there's plastic buckets, there's wooden pellets, there's rubber hoses. It wasn't an inferno inside the Pike River mine, certainly not all of it. And I can tell you, because I've looked at it very closely um, and forensically, that there is definitely, definitely one, and I think probably a number, of perfectly identifiable, um, completely intact bodies that are lying there and could have been recovered. Um, but, you know, the, the momentum went out of doing that because everyone was told it was, a, it was an inferno, it would be a pile of ash, that's what the family... But, but they, knew, they knew full well that it wasn't. I mean, I might get sued by the police commissioner if I affirm that for certain, but, I mean, I tell you what, uh, this, this image of this body is uh, unambiguous. It's acknowledged by police to show a body. It's been suppressed by the Royal Commission for 75 years. Uh, that's interesting, isn't it? And I actually can't tell you why that is. Um, mm. Not really. And, and it's, I, I think, of profound importance to New Zealanders to actually re-evaluate what they think they know about Pike River in light of that information, because it does change a lot, doesn't it? Which, of course, was something that um, Helen Kelly was um, doing right up to her death. She was campaigning for this. She was. Um, I found it extraordinary watching the documentary and just seeing 
even on a day she was having radiation therapy yeah. and chemotherapy, she was going and talking to government officials. I mean, just extraordinary. Yeah, well, even lying in her hospice bed, she was plotting away about, you know, campaign strategies for Pike River. Yes, extraordinary strength. And, and also um, just a tremendous personal clarity about what the meaning of her life was. You know, she said to me that, that you know, they gave, it gave her life meaning and it kept her alive. You know, that's how she saw it. But I, I think Helen had this, this curiously enormous self-possession, not in an arrogant way, she wasn't arrogant, but she, was, she, just, she really stood on her own feet. Actually, I asked um, Mary Ann Butler-Finlow, one of the, the women whose husband was killed in forestry, to talk to me about why it was that they, that they engaged with Helen and why, why they related to her. Was it because she'd kind of grown up working class, you know? And, 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 and Mary Ann, as she often did, just told me I was talking bullshit and said, no, no, it's because, um, I mean, it's not like you'd go down to New World and, and you'd find Helen at the cash register. She says, well, it wasn't like that. It was because she knew who she was. Most of the people that they deal with are kind of trying to please them and they're kind of, you know, trying to genuflect and kind of be, be appropriate. Helen didn't have to try so hard, you know. She, she, was, she was comfortable enough to actually to be with them and to be real. I, I wrote in The Listener last week about, you know, when, when, when I was at the Pike River, one of the Pike River memorials with Helen, all of the men in suits, all of them were in this tight little bunch all together, no one had told them to, but they just all, you know, the instinct was they all gathered together nervously because they didn't want to say the wrong thing, they didn't want to look the wrong way, you know. Helen was just sitting on the grass chatting with people from the families, completely unselfconsciously. That was, she, she, she just had that, that realness with those people and, and they recognised it in her. And so when she was facing death, um, it, it, it wasn't really a question for her that, that that's what she'd do. And she'd, she'd actually spend the energy she had to try to get as many of those things finished as she possibly could. And her legacy is, is quite huge. Well, I, I think so. I mean, and, and actually, I, I, I really think that it's an idea as much as it's a bunch of um, achievements, you know, uh, political or, or legal achievements. I, I hope that people will see this film and reflect on their own you know, the, the relationship between the things they believe and the talk they talk and actually what they do each day. Because although Helen was pretty cool and she had perhaps an unusual combination of skills, you don't need that in order to, to do a lot of the things that she did. You, you just need to actually do them, you know? There's a, there's, a, there's a bit I really like, one of my favourite bits in the film where she's quite close to death, sitting in her living room, really slowing down but still soldiering away. And uh, she, she, she does one thing, and she said to me, oh, there's one thing, one thing I've done today, you know, you can't save the world doing one job a day, mate. You can only save a little wee bit of it. <laughs> but, you know, so if, if each of us saved a little wee bit of it each day, it wouldn't take long, eh? We'd actually make a huge amount of change, and quite quickly, I think. That was Tony Sartorius discussing his film Helen Kelly Together. It's an incredibly powerful documentary, and it's one that I would definitely recommend you seeing. Don't forget to visit my website for more content, andrewwhiteside.com. I am Andrew Whiteside. Thank you for listening.